Coming up on Ministry in the Marketplace. My first start in business was with a paper route when I was uh, nine years old and we had to have a source of income for our family. That's a sample of what you'll hear from today's guest, author, entrepreneur, and educator, Dr. Harry Smith. And it's amazing how much I learned about business and about people uh, from Karen Papers. Ministry in the Marketplace. Times are changing for believers. A new day. A new paradigm is dawning for Christians in the United States. The political and social scenes are shifting. Persecution looms ominously on the horizon. Political correctness overshadows truth. Compromise is preferred to conviction. Truth is blurred, vision declines, and individual liberty evaporates. Is the future all gloom and doom? Does this spell the end of the church? Of course not. We serve a mighty God. His light has always shined brighter in the darkness. But it is a time to take a stand, to reflect Jesus Christ, and to make a difference. Where we live, where we work, in the marketplace. This is Ministry in the Marketplace. Real people, real lives, making real impact for the kingdom of God. And here with today's Ministry in the Marketplace is Reverend Richard Hamlet. I want to welcome you to today's program of ministry in the marketplace. I pray that God is richly blessing you in your walk with Jesus Christ. I want to read a passage of Scripture today in the book of Genesis, chapter 41, verses 46 through 49. The Bible says Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all of the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Now, here we see in the Old Testament the history of God's people. The patriarch Joseph was in actually a high position within the government of Egypt. Egypt was the superpower at the time. Pharaoh was the king. And if you know anything about the book of Genesis or about Joseph and his travels, Joseph had been through uh, many different venues to get to this point. He started out being the favorite son of Jacob. And then if you remember, his brothers threw him in a pit and he was sold into slavery. He came to Egypt and was Potiphar's servant. But because of his integrity and his faith in God, no doubt he was elevated to a high position. And then you remember Potiphar's wife one day falsely accused him. And so Joseph went from Potiphar's house to the prison. And there he spent many years in prison, but again, Joseph rose to the top. You know, the cream always rises to the top, and Joseph's character was exemplified, and even those who were outside of faith in the God of the Bible, they saw his excellence, and they saw his ministry in the marketplace, and they said, this man is something special. So today we see where he is now actually the second in command in Egypt. He's the Pharaoh's right-hand man, and he was charged with the task of going out and accumulating resources to prepare for the famine that was coming. 
If you remember, the Pharaoh had a dream, and Joseph rightly divided the word of God, and he interpreted there will be seven years of prosperous growth and fruit and yield, but then there will be seven years of dearth and famine. And so here we see Joseph assigned the task of being a kingdom businessman. He was about his father's business, and then secondarily, the Pharaoh's business. So there's three observations I want to share with you today as we consider what it means to have ministry in the marketplace. The first one would be his integrity. Now, I mentioned that Joseph came from Jacob's loin, and his brothers sometimes demonstrated characteristics that were not exactly those of integrity. But all during that time, Joseph stood fast, and he was clinging to the faith of his fathers, and he was trusting in the God of the Bible. And even when he was in dark circumstances, being sold into slavery against his will, or going to prison for many years, a decade plus against his will on false charges, he continued to have integrity. You know, integrity is this. It's not only doing the right thing, but it's doing the right thing in the right way. Now, all of us have problems with integrity many times in our judgment and decisions because we're we're sinners saved by grace. But it's God's will for you today in your ministry in the marketplace to be a person of integrity. It is such an important thing today as it was in Joseph's time. And that really was the reason why Pharaoh entrusted this Hebrew man who believed in a different God than the gods of Egypt to be in charge of really their well-being and how their marketplace would evolve from that point on. The second thing is his innovation. Oh, this man was innovative. Even in the verses we read today, do you see the strategies even within these verses? How he had godly wisdom and he went out and planned and he organized and he went out and accumulated this grain. He was one of the first commodity traders we see in history. It reminds me of a man that I used to read about when I was in the financial industry as an investment trader. And there was a man who worked in Chicago on the Chicago Commodity Board of Trade. And he wrote a book about what it meant to be in the pits, literally in the trading pits. Oh, Ray, could you imagine having a job in that kind of chaos of all of that hustle and bustle within an area of people together and trading investments and all of those transactions? Well, he wrote a book and that book was very helpful to me. And in that book, he said that he saw his business, his commodity trading business actually as a platform for advancing the kingdom of God within his domain. And actually, it led to his great commission work and funding strategies around the world, humanitarian with an evangelical gospel-centered focus. This is what Joseph was doing within his vocation. His work as a commodity trader, as an administrator there in Egypt, was not primarily to make Egypt better off. It was primarily to be used of God to advance the kingdom of God. And even through his efforts, being under the authority of a pagan king, God used this man, Joseph, as a kingdom businessman to bring salvation to all of Israel from the famine and no doubt to be one who for the centuries to come until Jesus comes will be seen as a man of integrity and a man of innovation. But we must consider the third observation, and that would be his influence. I want you to notice the influence that Joseph had. He was in a place of influence. He was in a place where he could affect many people who were around him every day and others who were outside of his eye gate or right within his circle. But I tell you, he was a man of influence. And here's what I want to challenge you with today. You're not living in the days of Joseph and under the Pharaoh where all the pyramids are around you and all those monuments and the those pictures of idolatry, but where you are every day, in the shopping mall, driving your car, in the gym, in the library, 
in the church, praise God, wherever you are, you are a living testimony of Jesus Christ. And there are those who are watching you and they're looking at you, and they are seeing your influence. Now, is your influence being used to further the kingdom of God, to point people to Jesus, or is your influence being used simply to build your own kingdom, simply to expand your area of worldly influence? Oh, friend, today, I want you to see whatever you do and whoever is associated with you as someone that God wants you to be salt and light to. Joseph was that testimony. He was a man of influence in a pagan dark society. God called him. He was actually a government official, a believer in the palace, and he was there in the providence of God. So his influence was so important. What is your influence? You say, Brother Richard, if you knew how little I do or how little I have in this world, you would say, there's no way that I could be an influence. Well, friend, I want you to just reject and rebuke that lie from the pits of hell. You are special. You are significant. You are a person of influence. If you will radiate Christ, and you will be a kingdom businessman or woman within your realm. The greatest privilege we have, like Joseph, We can be persons of influence, and we can be an aroma of the gospel truth unto God. Now, it will be a life unto life to many, as the Scripture says, but we know many will reject it. But we're not responsible for the results of our testimony or our influence. We're responsible for our faithfulness. Like Joseph, we need integrity, we need innovation, and we need to use our influence for the kingdom of God. Just ahead on Ministry in the Marketplace. When I came, I guess it was good. I really didn't know what a challenge it would be. I'm not sure I might have been willing to take it on. But I think God really called me to do that, just like He might call a minister to a church. Our conversation with businessman and educator, Dr. Harry Smith. What is Ministry in the Marketplace? In some ways, the answer is self-explanatory, but defining the concept is essential to effective and efficient ministry. At GMF, we define it as a holistic approach to meeting people in the workplace, where they are, and guiding them to Jesus Christ. It's also encouraging them in their ongoing relationship with Him. We want our colleagues to know Christ personally, not to simply know more about Him. Someone has said, Marketplace Ministry is the army deployed by God in the spiritual war zone of the workplace. But this is a different kind of army. This army fights with spiritual weapons, and that's not hitting people over the head with the Bible. Remember, Jesus is described as a lion, a lamb, and a dove. We are to be as bold as lions concerning truth, as meek as lambs concerning our rights and gentle as doves in sharing and relating to people at our work. Learn more about Ministry in the Marketplace at gmfonline.org. That's gmfonline.org. This is Ministry in the Marketplace. Today in our Real Time in the Marketplace segment, we meet Dr. Harry Smith an exceptionally successful entrepreneur, businessman, philanthropist, educator, and family man. Dr. Smith is executive in residence at the Fogelman College at the University of Memphis. For 25 years, he was chairman and CEO of Schilling Enterprises, whose operations included car dealerships, real estate, trucking, HVAC, and auto parts. 
He managed more than 1,000 employees and had a revenue base of $150 million. And today, Harry Smith is our guest on Ministry in the Marketplace. Well, thank you for joining us today on Ministry in the Marketplace, and we are so blessed to have with us in our studio Harry Smith. And Harry is a man of God who is very accomplished in many different business platforms. And today we have the opportunity to have a conversation with him. And Harry, we're so glad that you're with us today. Thank you, Richard. I'm I'm thankful to be here. Harry, can you share with us your background in business and in the marketplace? I'd be glad to. Uh, surprisingly enough, the uh, my first start in business was with a paper route when I was uh, nine years old. And unfortunately, my mother and dad were divorced when I was five. And so uh, we had to have a, a source of uh, income for our family. And my mother and I had a rural paper route out in the country. We went 40 miles a day, 365 days a year, carrying newspapers. I actually uh, had that paper route for 10 years, used it to pay my way through college. And it's amazing how much I learned about business and about people of carrying papers. And so that was really my first my first business venture. Uh, as a businessman, as a committed Christian in the marketplace, what are some of the challenges that you've experienced through the years? Well, certainly uh, one of the challenges are, are the gray areas. And the other challenge is to have a good testimony. That's always been a prayer of mine is to, uh, is to have a good testimony and I spent 16 years in public accounting, and looking back, I could see how God really used that as a preparation for me for a challenge that I had here in Memphis starting in 1980. One of our clients that was in terrible financial trouble back in 1980, one of those bad economic times that we went through. But I could look back and see how God had prepared me for it. But when I came, I guess it was good. I really didn't know what a challenge it would be. I'm not sure I might have been willing to take it on. But I think God really called me to do that, just like he might call a minister to a church. And as I look back, I really, really see that more and more. But one of the challenges I really had, I was from a small town over in Alabama, Florence, and uh, we had a small accounting firm, and most of our businesses were really small, not a lot of people in it. And all of a sudden, I found myself the president of a company that had 1,000 employees, and we were in several states, and I was so far over my head, I really didn't know it. And I knew I needed a lot of help, and I knew I needed to kind of help bring our people along, and I also knew I wanted our company to stand for Christian principles. That was a real challenge for me in the gray areas. You know, and being in the car business, mostly that was most of our businesses were car dealerships. The gray area was uh, was really a challenge for me is not to compromise and to do the right thing. And, you know, I've really learned early on that, you know, if, if you do the right thing, you, you know, God's going to take care of it. I had a partner to start with, Miss Schilling, and she was about 20 years older than me. She was not a business lady, but one of the first things she really told me was, Harry, just do what's right and everything will work out okay. And so that really was one of our business principles. And then uh, to try to bring our people together, I really had everybody to sit down and go over the preparation of a mission statement. I knew that we needed a mission statement, and you know, some businesses uh, have long mission statements and some have short. I wanted to have a short, simple one because I'm a simple person. But we spent probably three or four months in lunch meetings and different things having our people to buy into our mission statement because I really felt like the mission statement was the center of uh, and the nucleus of our company. And I wanted our employees to be able to have a place to go when they had a challenge dealing with either our customers or a fellow employee to know what the right thing to do was. And so ours was simply just a five-line statement. One was uh, really just to practice honesty, integrity, and fairness in everything that we did. The second one had to do with uh, taking care of our customers and giving them fair value for what, what they paid. 
And the third was our employees, you know, was providing a place that they could succeed. And the fourth was returning to the community a share of the success we experienced. And then the, the fifth one was to continually promote these Christian principles through our behavior. And that was the one that some of our people didn't know exactly how the public would feel because we displayed our principles in our dealerships in the showroom. I think everybody pretty much felt like that people that came in that might not think like we did, they would be thankful that we had principles and that that if we were going into their business, we would respect them for the principles that they had. So we tried to use our guiding principles, again, to do the right thing and to take care of our customers and our employees. We didn't have profits mentioned anywhere in there because we felt like if we did all those other things right, that the profits would be a byproduct. That is such a wonderful word today, and there's so much wisdom in that as a kingdom businessman. And you've been an example to so many people, including myself. And, you know, you're you're using your commercial business skills, but every day you're committing all that you have in your work to the kingdom of God and the gospel. And uh, may God raise up more Harry Smiths in this generation. Can you think of an experience— you've had in business that has served as an opportunity to be a witness for Christ in the marketplace? Well, I think one certainly was we decided from the very beginning that we were not going to be open on Sunday. And we really did it for two or three reasons. One is we, we certainly felt like that the Sunday was a day of rest and was not a day that we that we should be open. Also for our employees, we wanted to have a, a place where our people could be a family and have a day off. You know, even if it had not been from the Christian perspective, I think I still would want to do it because I think it would have been a, a wise thing to do to have a better employee. Mm-hmm. I think it, it enabled us to attract a better caliber of employee, a more family people. And that was one of the things I think that we did early on and never, never, ever regretted it. Well, you took a stand and honored the Lord. No doubt he's honored you and your business dealings through these years. What counsel can you give to those listeners today who are pursuing careers in business and who desire to use their business or their work as a platform to share Christ in the marketplace? Well, I think one of the first things I would encourage uh, anybody to do like that would, first of all, to have a real strong mentor. Somebody that's older than they are, somebody that's got some gray hair, and somebody that's gone through the experiences they would already go through, and somebody that they respect. But I think a mentor to to really kind of help counsel them and, and to give them some good advice. And then the other thing is an accountability partner. You know, that's, to me, somebody that's a little bit more closer to the age. Because I know when I was in public accounting, I saw some successful businessmen slip, kind of start compromising and do some things they shouldn't do. I think if they'd had a good accountability partner, someone that would have told them, you know, say, hey, you better be careful. You're on slippery ground. And uh, if you don't watch it, you're, you're, you know, you're going to make a mistake. So I think the mentor from the standpoint of getting some real good advice and somebody that's been through what they want to go through. And then I think accountability partner is somebody that's a close friend to help them stay on track or get on track if they're not on. How important is the local church to a, a kingdom businessman or woman? Well, of course, definitely. I think every Christian should should be involved in a local church. You know, I was blessed to be at Bellevue for, uh, I've been there for th- over 30 years, and was blessed to be there with Dr. Rogers for many, many of his years, I guess, uh, you know, almost 30. Dr. Rogers, you know, we all know that there's so many business principles and everything really can be found in the Bible. And uh, Dr. Rogers had a good way of bringing those out. And as I talked about Grace while ago, I remember one, one year he came to uh, one of our managers' me- annual meeting. And one of the questions we asked him was, Dr. Rogers, you know, how do you handle the gray areas in life? He had an immediate answer. He said, if there's a doubt, don't do it. But then he came back with another response that really surprised me. He said, uh, don't judge somebody that does. 
So he really had a great way. So I know not all churches are, are, are blessed with, with Adrian Rogers for pastors, you know, but I fortunately was. And, and But I think everybody needs to be in the local church because I think that's where you're going to find your mentors and you're going to find your accountability partners. You know, people that are in business, you know, or, or people that might be your Sunday school teachers or, yes, I think everybody needs that local church. Up next on Ministry in the Marketplace, a young man who would give the shirt off his own back to help a child in need and how you can too. In a manner of speaking, next. Evangelizing, equipping, empowering. It's the heartbeat of every endeavor GMF undertakes. One of GMF's strategies is to invest in real estate that provides safe, sanitary, affordable housing for low to moderate income people. Both social and spiritual services are extended to these communities. GMF provides empowerment rather than entitlement. Empowerment grows out of being adequately equipped with skills to break the generational cycle of poverty. GMF provides job training, after-school child services, dental and medical clinics, plus education for computer literacy, housekeeping, personal finance, as well as opportunities for spiritual growth. These services are provided at no cost to the residents and are completely voluntary. To learn how Global Ministries Fellowship is evangelizing, equipping, and empowering, visit gmfonline.org. That's gmfonline.org. This is Ministry in the Marketplace. Real World Impact. You may recall Jesus telling his followers that if someone hits you on the cheek, offer the other one too. And if someone takes your coat, let him have your shirt as well. Uh, my name is Joe Williams from Agape North. Joe Williams is a lifelong Memphian who has found a way to express the love of Christ and his love for kids through shirts. We, For every shirt that we sell, we donate uniforms to students in need. For the past three years, Agape North has been making shirts designed to compete with brands like Ralph Lauren and Vineyard Vines, upscale t-shirts, polo shirts, and dress shirts. But Joe says his motivation goes beyond being competitive in the marketplace. I started it three years ago, and I did it because I was in medical sales, and I wanted to be a part of something bigger than me and better than, bigger than just selling a product and trying to make money. My father was a minister for 18 years, and what I realized is we're here for a short period of time, and as a Christian, I'm here to try to spread God's love to as many people as I can. For every shirt that Agape North sells in the marketplace, they give a school uniform shirt to a student in need. We donate uniforms because students who are in a uniform program, their test scores go up 90, 90%, and bullying and violence is eliminated by 95%. And in a short amount of time, the impact of Agape North is reaching around the world and here at home. We now have crossed over 10,000 uniforms donated in the last two years. We do about 25% of those are international to a couple of schools in Uganda and Kenya, and heavily, though, is in Memphis. A lot of our clients are in Memphis, and so we want to give back local. We want the churches and companies and organizations that we work with to come with us to, on the donation to see firsthand the impact they're making with kids. Today's conscientious consumer has to wonder whether the clothing they buy could be actually harming someone in a developing nation. Agape North lets you shop with confidence and with compassion. You're buying products from us, and 
you're buying products that make a difference. So we're putting your shirts to work. The slogan that we use, the main slogan that we say is our products are designed for you, created for others. And with that, we're telling people that you're buying a product that you use every day. We're just helping you put meaning behind it. And that's why we call it agape. For us, we say it's God's love for mankind. And what we're here to do is spread God's love. Joe Williams and Agape North, an example of how a young man with an idea and a heart for God can create a business and a ministry in the marketplace. Learn more about their story at agapenorth.com. This is Ministry in the Marketplace. And now with today's wrap-up is Richard Hamlet. Well, as we begin to land now within our program, sometimes our program is at 30,000 feet and sometimes it's at the asphalt street level, as you can see from the diversity we have in our program week to week. But I, I just want to challenge you now as we reflected on Joseph today and his being a man of integrity and innovation and influence. I just want to encourage you today that today, Jesus Christ, he wants to live in and through you. It is impossible to live the Christian life without Jesus Christ living in and through you. His Spirit, His generous Spirit must lead us, and His Spirit must guide us. And we need godly wisdom today like Joseph had in his time, like never before. In our country's history today, we see the world, the flesh, and the devil, and the anti-Christ spirits all around. Here, even in the Bible Belt of the United States of America, I tell you today, God has a special place for you. And you know where that is? That's right where you are. But when you go, realize when you leave your house, you are going into a mission field. Some of you say, well, Pastor, I can't even leave my house. Well, then your house is your place of influence. Are people coming to see you in your house? What about your prayer life? Your house can be an altar made where you are in intercession and praying for Christ's church and those lost who are in the community. I tell you today, you are in a place of influence in the kingdom of God. I want to pray for you now as we close. Dear God, I pray for the, the listeners today. You know who they are, where they are, God. You know everything about them. So, God, I pray right now that your comfort as the God of all comfort would comfort them. I pray that you would counsel them. I pray that you would give them courage. Father, I pray that they would be full of your spirit with your anointing in their proclamation and practice. And I pray that they would be witnesses for Jesus, salt and light in this world. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for listening to Ministry in the Marketplace. The goal and objective of this program is to encourage creative ways to advance the gospel and to reach the lost through non-traditional means. Perhaps you've discovered some ways of sharing your faith that you'd like to share with us, and if so, here's our email address. It's info at gmfonline.org. You can follow Richard Hamlet on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Richard Hamlet. We hope you'll join us again next time when Reverend Richard Hamlet and Global Ministries Fellowship bring you another edition of Ministry in the Marketplace.